0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Say what needs to be said. It's your host, Asante, Mr. Pick 6 Samuel. All right, 49ers showed us what they look like when they're playing bad football. And you can see Brock Purdy had a lot to do with it. The chance for Brock Purdy to prove he is a winner in clutch moments came, and he actually conquered a little bit. You know, he put his team in a position to win. Although they didn't win, he put his team in that position to win. But it wasn't convincing. You know, they got down there and they had an opportunity to win. But I wasn't so convinced of what I seen of Brock Purdy's play. right? He started off the drive 0 for 3. And he was bailed out with a flag to advance the first down. But he led them to a chance for a winning field goal. And we know it failed, like I said previously. But we still have to give Purdy credit for leading his team to give them that chance to to be victorious, although the field goal kicker missed the field goal. But here's the issue with Brock Purdy and the 49ers. The defense are who they are. You know, most of the reasons for 49ers' success, the number one defense in the NFL at that, you know, them boys be flying around. If the San Francisco 49ers plan on going and winning the Super Bowl or even making it to the Super Bowl, the defense will need to lead them just like the 2001 Baltimore Ravens. This is all. A, a, a defensive team. We are led by the defense and the defense is going to lead us to places we have never been been to before. So, they're depending on the defense with Brock Purdy. It's a good combination, you know, but we we seen what Brock Purdy can do in not so good situations. But playing football for 17 weeks have different effects on you mentally, physically, emotionally, and the pressure to be consistent every week every week gets at you, right? You know, every week even if you you receive you go for 200 Yards this this past game. You think he can go for 250 yards? You know it's a, it, it, the pressure to be consistent in, and and constantly get better and better. You know that's that's the pressure we put on ourselves, and you know that's just something we have to deal with. But I don't know if Purdy is built for a 17 week season. We're still finding this out, right? With this only being his second NFL season, teams are getting to learn his strengths and weaknesses using each game to try to exploit them, just like. We just seen against Cleveland Browns, right? I ain't going to say they exploited him too much, but they play good ball and they stop Purdy and the offense from being successful. The run game, you know, the run game is the run game. You know, Kyle Shanahan, he has that system down pack, and they're going to always have a good running game. But Purdy is a one-dimensional quarterback who needs a running game in order to be effective, right? And if the game determines he needs to throw the ball, to win, the percentage of winning for the 49ers goes down a little bit, right? It's not, it's not as promising as if everything is going right when the 49ers are able to run the ball. Because when they're not running the ball that effective, that's when Brock Purdy has to show who he is. And that's where the problem lies at, because this is a match made in heaven with a complete team. And and uh Purdy needs this running game to be successful, right? So let's get into it. Let's get let's keep talking about it, He is a winner. And we can't take that away from him. He is 10 and 0. We can't take that away from him. Anybody saying anything else, it's just, just kind of hating because he's 10 and 0. No matter what the situation is, what team you are on, you're 10 and 0 as a as a starter, you know, before today. So we can't take that away from him. But when the team needs big plays, we can't expect Brock Purdy to deliver to the big plays. We have to depend on the team, the San Francisco 49ers, because that's who we believe are. That's who Brock Purdy has shown us. Who we are now, right? But on the other hand, everyone is basically saying it's nothing Purdy can do to be considered elite. And that bothers me. Why can't he be elite? You know, we only seen nine to ten games, and everybody's saying he's a system quarterback, he can't be elite. This is only his second year. So he's still proving himself, right? And because he doesn't throw the ball side on him or had the strongest arm, and because he's not six five, he's not elite. That's whack, man. We gotta get rid of that man. If you're undefeated, and you're playing ball and leading your team as an undefeated quarterback, you're elite in my eyes. I don't know what they expect you to be elite. I think everybody always kind of going off the prototype and what are you supposed to be as a prototype, right? But he can still prove himself over time. He got a lot of time to uh, prove himself that he can play with the best of them. And, you know, opportunity ain't only time to tell. Today was a big setback, but we got to take these moments as learning moments. And Purdy, if you want to be the best, or uh, one of the best are considered one of the best you got to take this as a learning moment right but can Purdy consistently win tough games we need more data as of today uh are we gonna we could say yeah he let him down there they missed the field goal but can he consistently do that we, that's what we got to see you know being that he's so young and only in the second year we have a lot of data to collect to find out about Purdy right but Purdy he will miss some big opportunities. We all know that, and we see that he gonna overthrow some balls. He might, you know, put it behind. You might put it two in front of you. But nobody's perfect, so you know, everybody, every quarterback will miss and, and and not connect on some some big plays that would have helped their their team when it matters most, right? But you know, Purdy gonna keep and continue to get better. Well, I wouldn't say it's the system that makes. I would say it's the team that makes him look good. Everybody's saying he's a system quarterback. It's not the system. It's the team. It's a complete team with weapons around him everywhere from each side on as a wide receiver to the running back to the tight end and a, and a great defense. So I would say it's the team. So stop saying it's the defense. Because I mean, the system. I don't think it's the system. When your defense gives up 13 points per game, it's not that hard to win in the NFL as a quarterback. So that's what Brock Purdy is surrounded by, a defense that's given up 13 points per game. And, you know, Brock Purdy is leading that team to success. So we can't take that away from him. Like I said, it's not that hard. When you're a team, your, your defense is that good. So salute to the 49ers, see if they could bounce back next week. They took a emotional loss against Cleveland, which they should have won. And, um, you know, moving on. So up next, up next. All right, we got the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Everybody criticizing Lamar Jackson, you know, talking about his offensive skills and turning the ball over and, and all those good things. So let's get into it. Let's get into it, right? Critics are starting to question... Whether or not, the Ravens are getting their $260 million worth out of Lamar Jackson. But let me break it down for you so you can understand the situation with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, right? Turning the ball over as a quarterback is never acceptable to an extent, right? You can't just be out there turning the ball over left and right every game. So to an extent, right? But Lamar struggles with it because of his physical capabilities and what he brings to the team making him the number one running back on the team, right? Very electrifying player. Lamar is who he is, but he needs to prove he is a winner in the NFL. I think that will solidify his status. He got, he has to prove that he is a winner. His greatest asset is his legs, and he will beat you with his legs before he beats you with his arm. We all know that, electrifying the next, uh, the new modern days, Michael Vick, you know what I mean? But Michael Vick, shout out to Michael Vick, man. Um, You know, helped pioneer this quarterback, running back, black quarterback thing. And, you know, a lot of uh, quarterbacks coming in the league, running the ball. Back to Lamar Jackson. His arm is most effective when the offensive line create lanes for him to throw the ball in. You know, when you can see, because he's not the tallest quarterback. So he needs those lanes in. When he has the perfect lane, that's when I see him succeeding the most. Give Lamar those lanes get wide receiver, wide receiver, create some space and Lamar will deliver, right? Lamar is the type of quarterback that likes to spread the ball around to several receivers, right? Several receivers. So he doesn't have a favorite target. It's like whoever open, when I'm running around or whatever, that's who I'm going to get the ball to. That's uh, the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson's uh, motto. And, you know, they let him play, right? But with his legs being his best asset, he has a good... Three to four years to win a Super Bowl unless he develops into a more consistent passer. We know the running back, the running quarterbacks, your career doesn't last as long as a pocket passer. So that's why I'm limited to three to four years because, you know, Lamar, he is a runner, runner, runner quarterback. And um, he take a lot of hits, but he's a physical guy. He's a Florida boy and he built for this. Shout out to Lamar Jackson, Florida stand up. You know what I mean? But if Lamar Jackson can find weapons to develop chemistry sooner rather than later it will ultimately propel his career as a dynamic passer. what everyone is waiting to see out of uh, Lamar Jackson so if he can find that weapon you know that that go-to player that he's confident in that when he throw the ball to him he's going to be open he's going to find a soft spot he's going to create separation and man to man this will help propel him as a dynamic passer right but he needs to be confident in one of these receivers right now, and and, and find that go-to guy, that Mr. Dependable, right? Because he's just all over the place. He got uh, Xavier Flowers, he got Odell Beckham. You know, he got a a a, a ton of 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 weapons over there. But you got to find one that you can mold and and grow with, and somebody that you're going to depend on. And I think that will help him grow. But mostly for a running quarterback, it's usually tight end. So I don't know. Go find that good tight end. To link up with, with uh Lamar Jackson and let that be his go-to guy, because you know, him having a go-to guy and the way he's running the ball, he'll he won't be able to stop. You remember uh uh Michael Vick had Algie Crump, Algie Crump, um, I don't wanna say his name wrong, but he had the tight end at the Atlanta, you know, it made it easier for Michael Vick. So Let's see what we can get for Lamar Jackson, all right? I like to compare Lamar Jackson to AI, Allen Iverson. Electrifying, but plays and streaks, a streaky player. When they are hot, they are both hard to stop. But when things aren't going so good, it's because of them, right? The leader of the team, you know, what the team is all about. Coach built this team around around y'all. So that's why I like to compare Allen Iverson and Lamar Jackson because they're both streaky and when they hot, man, it's hard. They are hard to stop. All right? But the Baltimore Ravens are different than most teams because of Lamar Jackson being the best running back on the field most of the time. He is the runner, number one running back. Like I said, he's electrifying. When they need the first down, most of the time it's a quarterback draw and let Lamar Jackson do his thing. And Todd Moken, Munkin, um, excuse me, Baltimore Ravens officer coordinator, completely understands how to use Lamar Jackson. And that's why they're having the success they're having. And, you know, no, they didn't get over the hump and win the big game where everybody in the NFL are trying to win, but Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. Wait for him to keep developing, but his thing is a, being a winner. It's not going to look the prettiest and look like, you know, the old, back in the days with the Tom Brady's and the Joe Montana's and the Peyton Manning. No, this is a new age. And, and uh, Lamar is the prototype running back Quarterback in the NFL, so you know, salute to that Florida boy, and um, uh, you know, continue to get better. And um, until next time. All right, the Denver Broncos, Jerry Judy, Russell Wilson, and Sean Payton. What's going on in Broncos Nation? Let's talk about it. How is it possible to be considered an elite receiver in the NFL if the quarterback can't get you the ball or the system isn't built for the wide receiver? How is it possible? I hate to hear. People say Jerry Judy is a waste of a first-round pick. Jag, J-A-G, or not a good wide receiver when the offense sucks and not wide receiver friendly. We're talking about Denver Broncos. Jerry Judy still has the same speed and all the abilities that got him drafted in the first round to the NFL. He's not out here dropping passes or unable to beat man coverage. That's not the case with Jerry Judy. He's still who he is. He hasn't lost a step. But remember the years when Sean Payton made Michael Thomas become an elite receiver with Drew Brees and and the Saints? You mean to tell me you think Jerry Judy can't play to those standards? Man, you got to be crazy. Man, that dude is fast. He a route runner. He got all the skills, right? You got to be kidding me. Judy is an exceptional route runner with tremendous speed. So how can't he be effective? Only if he's dogging the plays or not running his routes 100%. And again, that is not the case when you're watching Jerry Judy. The ball just can't get to him. The quarterback can't get him the ball. But check this out. Me put some facts for you. Last season, Jerry Judy was targeted 100 times. And out of those 100 times, I think he had 67 catches or something like that. But he was just shy. Of a thousand yards with nine hundred and seventy-two yards. The facts say when you get him the ball, he's productive. So, what are we talking about? There's other issues going on with this trade. It ain't got nothing to do with Jerry Judy because Jerry Judy still can play. Ain't nothing changed about him from when he came out of Alabama. But I can understand where Steve Smith is coming from because when Steve Smith played, he demanded the ball, or you would get punched in the face. And it was simple as that, right? He ain't play like that. He, he, gonna cause, he gonna cause some trouble. You ain't getting him that ball. But maybe that's what Steve Smith is expecting and he wants to see from Jerry Judy because I don't see much of a difference from Jerry Judy to Justin Jefferson in abilities. But the difference is Minnesota make sure they get Justin Jefferson the ball. Win, lose, or draw. He is the game plan every week. So that's the difference. That's the only difference I see. I don't see too much difference in abilities. They're about the same size, same speed, same skill level. So when you underestimate a wide receiver, you got to understand this may not be his problem. This may be the coach problem, the quarterback problem, or the team problem. But we all have things that we can improve on. And I'm not saying that, you know, he got it all figured out. We all got things we can improve on. But Jerry Judy, with all the stuff you're going through, you know, maybe you should just do the Terrell Owens or do the Steve Smith or what about the Stephon Diggs and, and just go demand the ball right now to Russell Wilson. Tell him to throw you the dang ball or y'all going to have a problem. Right now, what do you got to lose? They got you on the trading block. So right now, next day of practice, hey, listen here, throw me the ball. I need seven catches next game. If I don't get seven catches, we got a big problem and let them know you mean it. Hey, maybe it'll work. See what happens. Maybe that's what the coach wants to see. Maybe that's what coach Sean Payton wants to see somebody come at Russell Wilson because Sean Payton continues to take his shots at him. So, you know, why not try? So I mean, hey, when you're back against the ball, brother, do what you gotta do. But these situations make me thankful for my abilities and which led me to play cornerback because of all of these reasons, depending on a receiver, uh, a quarterback to throw the receiver ball, right? A cornerback doesn't need a quarterback to throw him the ball, right? Our job is to go get the ball. That's the purpose of a cornerback. So I'm thank, I am think thank God all the time, man. Like, you know, my journey led me to play cornerback, right? Because this cornerback is a one-man show unless a quarterback is just blatantly scared to throw the ball your way. And that's a good thing for us cornerbacks. So think about that, kids out there, whether you want to play receiver or cornerback, because receiver, you need that quarterback to throw you the ball. And then you got to hope it's a passing team, because if it's not a passing team I and mean it's a running team, depending on what level you are, you know how you going to get recognized. But if you don't understand why Sean Payton is saying everyone on the team is on the trading block, except Patrick Tane Jr. is because they need to rebuild a team and get some draft picks back that they gave up for Russell Wilson. Gave up all those draft picks for Russell Wilson, which is turning out to be a horrible trade. Probably go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history. But for Jerry Judy, you know, if he does get traded and they do find a trader for Jerry Judy, where would you want to see him go? Where do you want to see him end up at? And, um, you know, it's a few teams out there, but my personal feeling and belief of or where I want to see him go and succeed is with a young quarterback. So any team with a young quarterback where he can go build and help immediately, you know, I prefer him go find a place with a young, thriving quarterback. And, and you make the best of it because you're a dog. You're from South Florida and you him. Always believe that, Jerry Judy. But Sean Payton continues to take shots at his franchise quarterback. This relationship is a disaster, and it's been a disaster since day one. Like I said, it's probably going to go down as the worst trade in in NFL history. Two first-round draft picks, two second-round draft picks, and more. A $245 million hefty contract. Man, 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 man. Who is responsible for those decisions? But Russell Wilson, at this point, starting to look old and like a quarterback that only can thrive in a Pete Carroll system and the Seattle Seahawks. ever since you left that system, even though your last year or maybe last two years wasn't so good in Seattle, it's looking very, very not like you. Let's just say that, all right? But the game plan against the Chiefs was very simple and simplified to give Russell Wilson and the defense the best opportunity to win. Because we all know the defense can give up 70 points at any given moment. Or they give up thirty or twenty eight you know up there, so the game was simplified to help the team out if you didn't recognize that or understand that, right, the goal was to keep the ball away from the chief's offense, which was a good game plan, but Russell looks totally out of sync with what's going on with the offense and the game plan, and can't execute anything. He just looked old, he looked like he looks stiff, like he can't be agile, make this. The shifty moves he used to make to make a player's miss, his speed looks 40% slower than when he got in the NFL. So, you know, there's a lot of issues going on with this trade and, you know, the franchise quarterback. But after the loss against the Chiefs, you know, Sean Payton goes on to say, to win in our league, you've got to be better throwing the ball. And basically taking shots at Russell Wilson, not holding nothing back again, right? once again, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton is pointing you out. And why is that? Yeah, I think he feels a, a certain way about Russell. You know, we've seen him before in the, in the past. You know what I mean, right? Because when Sean Payton come out, came out publicly, right, and said to Russell Wilson to stop kissing those babies and all that stuff, I knew there was a problem. Because that was kind of like a, a personal attack. And, you know, in life and bullies, with the bullies and stuff like that, they want to see how you are going to respond. And I'm not sure how Russell Wilson responded, but I would have went to his office and had a talk with him. We would have had to have a man to man. He would have respected me just off that because, you know, that was way out of hand. So hopefully Russell stepped up for himself and, you know, and uh, confronted that situation. But if you didn't know, Sean Payton comes from the Bill Parcells coaching tree. He is a coach with the dog's mentality. And he feels like Russell Wilson is soft. You can't tell already. Simple as that. You don't just keep picking at one person for, for no reason. You're picking at that person because you feel a certain way about him. And that's the way Sean Payton feels about his quarterback, right? If the quarterback and the head coach are not on the same way when it comes to mentality, changes will come. And recently, you can hear Sean Payton raving about USC's Caleb Williams. Y'all know the all-American quarterback at USC, everybody's, you know, raving about, you know what I mean? But Sean Payton, he came, he, he came on a uh, on a show, on the, the Colin Coward show and said he is a generational talent. And he's just talking in general, not saying that, you know, he potentially gonna be on the Broncos team. You know, if it's possible, I'm sure he would, but he was just talking about you know, the type of play out he is. And like I mentioned before in a previous episode, right, if Sean Payton can gather enough picks to make a run at Caleb Williams, you best believe he will and get rid of Russell Wilson immediately. Hey, that's all I got to say. Mr. Pick 6, say
1: what needs to be said. Man, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. Sick of it. I really am. I'm, I'm sick of uh, us coming out here and putting forth the effort we put forth in the first half, we we filled practices, we we had really uh, diligent meetings, and we're trying to figure this out. Trying to figure this out because I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. I'm 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 happy about the win, but I'm not happy in the fashion that we, we wanted in. We're better than that. We really are better than that, and uh, we got to start showing that. I'm I'm a i am i am expect to win. expect to win in a better fashion than that. I'm I'm sick of these consistent holes that we're displaying and the the penalties and the the things that we're doing. We're so much better. I apologize for, for my anger today, but I don't accept mediocrity. Maybe you do. Maybe you can live with it. Maybe you sleep with it. Maybe you lie with it. Maybe you're comfortable with it, but I'm not.
0: Coach Prime making history in the wrong way and the vision he has for this team may be a little premature. We hear Coach Prime in his post-game interviews expressing his desires and expectations he has for the team. But I want to hear from you your thoughts and your comments. Do you think Coach Prime is expecting too much from this young Colorado Buffalo team? You know, let me know your thoughts. Right. Again, over 70 new recruits, Most of them young and they all face different challenges when attending the University of Colorado to play football or to further along their education. But perfection is always the goal. But we must remain realistic when teaching our young men and our young athletes and, you know, helping them further along their career. But there was this young man that hit the scene and put the NFL on notice. And I got to give him a shout out because it would be wrong and hating not to. All right, he let the NFL scouts know he is ready to play in the NFL. Elliot Ayamana put the team on his back and single-handedly rallied Stanford to come back in overtime and be victorious against Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffalo. Man, what a game and what a show that young man put on. Salute to him and all the NFL scouts drooling over him right now. I know it's going down. But are the expectations set too high? But his new Colorado football team and the 70-plus new recruits, like I said, talk to me. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Is Coach Prime expecting too much from this team? He wants perfection because he is a perfectionist. I get it. But we don't want to hear you keep complaining about the kids and their desires or abilities to play the game of football. We don't want to hear you keep complaining about You know, the kids, because you came to Colorado and basically told the kids that was there to find a new home. And you are questioning if the kids you handpicked love the game already for these big moments that they're facing at the University of Colorado. That's what you're saying right now. But the biggest moment came in overtime on third down and goal your door you can't force that ball man you can't force that ball dang it that was a for sure victory. y'all had man you had it had it but you gotta live to see another day i know that's a learning experience and you're gonna live and learn live to see another day you ain't gotta force it eh? you don't have to win the game on your own don't feel like that i know a lot of times we like to feel like that but, you know, you're doing your thing, right? I know you already know, and it's all in your head, and, and you can't let it go. But, you know, I, and I'm just here talking about it because that's, you know, that's what we do. But, you know, you're dealing with that, and I know you're going to bounce back and show them that you, you're the real deal, like you are. But on another note, I'm a, I'm a big believer in keeping the team issues out of the media and dealing with it internally. That's one of the issues you'll have being in the limelight. You know, everything must match up as you continue to speak about your team while bringing notoriety and attention to the team, right? Some good things and some things gonna be bad when, you know, bringing all this notoriety and attention to the team, right? Everything ain't gonna be peaches to cream all the time. Everything you say as a leader from a year ago, year and a half ago, however long you've been with the team, it now and it should all make sense to the players from whenever they heard it. Everything has to come together. That's how you believe. But Coach Prime has to be very careful placing the blame on these kids after giving up a 29-point lead, questioning their love for the game, questioning whether they're ready for these big moments. Gotta be careful. I think that's a very thin line right there. Gotta be careful doing that. Because I'm waiting to see the accountability on the behalf of coach prime and the coaching staff because when you give up a 20.9 lead in the second half alone you know everybody is a part of the problem not just the players the trainers the coaches the bus drivers the hotel staff the cooks everybody is a part of the problem that's how you have to look at it and that's how you have to attack it so and i know coach prime is looking at itself and and in, in the coaching staff accordingly but you know, in the media, it's just it for me, it's just like, ah, oh, man, it's like every time it's something going, you know, not so good. It's like, yeah, blah, blah, this. And the kids, is this and the kids, is that. But, you know, I understand what's going on and this is a learning experience and he's going to continue to get better. And at that, at that Oregon game, you know, he got a taste of what he want his team to look like after that loss, because Oregon put together a masterpiece. Right. When they played against Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffs. Right. I know that game is in the back of Coach Prime's head, and he's thinking like always about that game and what he envisions his team to look like. Because it was nothing they could do wrong that game against Colorado. Oregon was hitting all cylinders, right? But in the first half against Stanford, I think that's what Coach Prime was feeling. He felt that vision because it was starting to look like that. It was starting to look like reality. It was starting to look like the Oregon team against Colorado. But here, Here's the part where the coaching comes in, and I think there's the accountability. Because Stanford coaches went into the second half and made the adjustments, and they told Ellick to take over this game. But we didn't see the adjustments from Colorado. Ellick, take over the game, right? Another coaching moment that will help Coach Prime and his coaching staff in the future. How to protect a 29 point lead going into halftime or a big league, period, right? Because I'm sure. You know, you know, they was feeling itself and, and uh, thinking they got this game all sold up and it's probably going to turn into a stat game. These guys not athletic enough to, to play with them and, and all those good things. But you got to stay focused no matter what the score is, because football, like they say, it ain't over till it's over until the lady's saying, you understand. But, you know, when they played the game against Arizona State, they were victorious. But coach was not satisfied. Like I said, he envisions perfection. He envisions his team to do everything right. No penalties or minimal penalties. You know, all your assignments on point, everything you studied in in the study film, you're aware. And and when it comes, you're ready to attack. And that's how Coach Prime feels. Right. Coach Prime is very passionate about football and about doing something special. You know, Coach Prime like doing special things. He like raising the bar to another level. So he not just coming there just to be any average, you know, coach. You know, like you said, he's he wants perfection because he wants everybody to be the best that they can be. From the coaching staff, to the players, to the trainers, whoever you around there, be the best you can be. You know, that's the energy Coach Prime gives off, right? But these close games, if you can't see, are stressing Coach Prime out and he doesn't like it. I can imagine that Oregon game where they lost 42 to 6 is still a receipt he is keeping now in his head. It's archived forever. I'm telling you, man, because, you know, when you when you presented an example right like that, right in front of your face, you can't help but say, man, I need my team to execute like this because it was so beautiful. I I, mean, I watched that game. I watched every play and it was like Oregon couldn't do nothing wrong. I was waiting for the mistakes, but they wouldn't come, right? They kicked Colorado butt in every aspect of the game and it was in a stylish manner, right? The way Oregon played that game against Colorado was textbook and Coach Prime got a taste of what he's looking for. But the issue, I think, Or I see what Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes, right? They're a young team. We all know that. But situational football is a big issue for Colorado, right? And the biggest situation came in over time, right? The game was tied up and Colorado had a chance to take that victory. We all know you can't force that ball. We can't force that ball, right? Live to see another day. Don't turn it over. You got the lead. Get that field goal, get them points. And then Travis Hunter. You can't be frustrated because you're in a tough battle with Ellick, man. You know what I mean? You can't let this tough battle get you out of your game and get unnecessary penalties to help the other team go touchdowns and get first downs. That's becoming detrimental to the the team. So you gotta be able to hold your composure. And that's what he means by the big moments and understanding how to win games. Because it's not just about playing the game, you got to understand and know. How to win the game. You don't just go out and play every game the same. It's a way we're going out to win this game. And that's what the game plan is about. And penalties and, and personal foul is never nowhere in the game plan. And then no big plays. And if you don't understand what no big plays from NFL terminology, I'm going to break it down to you. It's very simple, a few words, right? Any plays that the opposing team gains on you 20 or more yards. you got to get rid of the big plays. It was too many big plays. It was, I mean, at least 10 Colorado gave up. You know what I mean? And it was a rule that we had in the league as a team, a team goal. And it was a maximum, a maximum of three big plays that you wanted to give up. So we come in, or we come in Monday after the game and then we go over the, you know, the stats and yeah, we hit the goal. Two big plays. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Got to set those goals and we got to stop giving up so many big plays. And maybe it's five for college. But the expectations that Coach Prime, you know, has, like I said, you know, so after, after Ellick makes the first big play, right, if y'all remember, Ellick, you think he took it like 80 yards. Coach Prime decides to, to take the, that, that corner that was off him or just have Travis Hunter follow him and cover him instead of playing coverage to take him away. Right. You wanted to put Travis Hunter on him instead of playing the coverages that can take him away. I disagreed with that for a lot of different reasons. You know, and Travis Hunter, of course, he was just coming back from injury and it was his first game. So, you know, why put all that pressure on him to go out there and, and, and put all those miles in one game on itself? And it's his first game back, although I know he embraces the moment and embraces every play. and and every moment of the journey. But, you know, sometimes, you know, as the leader, we got to be smart and think for for our young kings. You know what I mean? But, you know, shout out to Travis Hunter, man. He goes, he's a dog. He going to go out there and play. When he was hurt, he wanted to go out there and play, you know? So that's the type of person he is, right? But I know I'm not the smartest man on the planet. You tell me if I'm right or wrong, or tell me what you think, right? But it seems like Coach Primes is not... Taking any accountability and trying to protect his coaching legacy. Check it out. I just said in the locker room to the team is they got to make up in their mind. Are they in love with this game or they in like with it? Because when you love something, you give to it unconditionally. You give everything you got without a shadow of a doubt. I am truly one hundred percent in love with this thing, and I just want people to match me. Just match my passion, match my, match my heart, match my love, match my consistency, just match my mannerisms,
1: just match every darn thing I give to this game.
0: What you think about that clip, man? I don't know. It seems a little, you know, I ain't going to voice my opinion too much, but I want to hear your thoughts. And so you, you let me know in the comments what you think, you know, about that clip. But the game against Stanford was a game Colorado should have won easily. And that's a game that you know on your calendar that's a victory. We're going to get some stats, you know, blah, this and, and this and that. And you circling this game and understand that this is a victory. I know Coach Prime thought that. I know Shador thought that. I know the whole Colorado football team thought that. But now that Coach Prime has experienced this horrific combat, let's see how he rallies his troops, his team, and to get ready for the next game. That's going to be important moving forward after what we would call an embarrassing loss because I guess the expectations are so high for Coach Prime. So, now we just want to see how does Coach Prime and his coaching staff rally to play against the next opponent, right? Shout out to Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes, and um, you know, shout out to Elliott and Stanford. You know what I mean? You did your thing. You know, say what needs to be said.